0: It is 6.21. We are joined for the morning brief by Mark Tui, advisor to business and political leaders. Nice to have you, sir. Good morning, John Moore. Okay, and what do you make of this John Woodward report about a Toronto neighbourhood? They band it together, 57 households. It costs $180 a month per household, but they have absolutely eliminated car thefts in their neighbourhood.
1: I think it goes to show you that the presence of a uniformed, uh, security guard or police officer absolutely does make a difference in deterring crime. I think it's uh, good on the neighborhood. Not every neighborhood is going to be able to afford to do this. It's a shame that they have to. Uh, I remember you were talking, I think, with John Sewell the other day, who was talking about getting better bang for our buck out of policing, and he was suggesting that they do less patrolling and more response. That kind of suggests the opposite is exactly what's needed. Meanwhile, there was, it's not exactly
0: debatable, but if you see the video, it's extraordinary, this takedown police boxing in a guy in a U-Haul and arresting him. Turns out they'd been following him for about two hours before he sped up, but there was also at one point a civilian being held at gunpoint. We had a helicopter overhead that we had to borrow from another police force, and it all unfolded in the core of our city, and I can't believe he was able to get two blocks without running into
1: something. I can't can't believe that he was able to get two blocks without uh, running into a construction zone. But uh, yeah, it's certainly dramatic stuff. Uh, It speaks to the value of the, uh, the airborne asset the helicopter i don't know that toronto needs to go out and buy one but uh, drones and stuff might be helpful but they were able to sort of back off on the ground uh, so as to not put uh, civilians on the street in danger but still maintain surveillance of them until they could set up this uh takedown i still don't fully understand from the police description what actually happened and how this civ- the citizen got abducted by this at what point and what was going on so it's a bit confusing i mean, I'm sure more information will come out, uh, as the politicians like to say, in the coming days and weeks.
0: City Hall says it's going to open a new 240-person respite centre at Exhibition Place. It'll operate through the winter. Worth noting, the Prime Minister's in Toronto today. He's meeting with Olivia Chow, and she told me in her year-end interview that this is pretty well at the top of the agenda, where she's going to put the squeeze on
1: the feds. And rightly so. I mean, 48% of the people occupying, uh, you know, Toronto city shelters and hotels, uh, there's 11,000 people the city takes care of every night, and they don't have enough room for the couple of hundred extras that uh, are there. 48% of them are refugees, people who were welcomed here by the federal government. And rightly so, but uh, without any plan to uh, feed or clothe or house them. That's just wrong. Uh, the uh, The armory certainly were not the answer, and i 'm glad that they didn 't go down that path, but the city has a number of buildings like this one at Exhibition place, which is a great location uh, for a respite shelter because there 's really nothing else going on down there, quite frankly, notwithstanding what uh, the city uh you know managers might say. And there are other buildings at uh, Exhibition Place that could be used if they need more space. So this is the right thing to do. Good on them for doing it, but the feds need to uh, figure out how how they're going to solve their own problems at some point.
0: Now, this is a
1: complicated one
0: to unpack, but you've always been a very thoughtful person on stories like this. It's a phenomenon known as lost Canadians, and they have won a court battle. And very quickly, to set the table for this one, Mark, um, this stems back to the evacuation from Lebanon, and people who had come to Canada, become citizens, then decided to move back to Lebanon with no intention of ever coming back to Canada. They had kids, and those kids were Canadian citizens. And all of a sudden, the war breaks out, and we're on the hook. For getting all of those people out, so the government decreed that moving forward, if you are Canadian citizens but you have your baby abroad, that baby is not automatically Canadian.
1: Yeah, this is a, it, it is a difficult story to sort of follow the the bouncing ball, but it comes back to Canada needs to decide, and it did uh, what. Uh, what makes you a Canadian? You know, not every country has the right of citizenship just because you're born in this country. Uh, Canada does, the United States does, uh, but most countries uh, have the right of citizenship by parenthood. So, but how far down the chain does that go? If I move to France, I have kids there those kids then become Canadian citizens because I was a Canadian citizen. But if my kids then have kids and their kids then have kids and those kids then have kids in France and none of them have ever been to Canada, should the you know my great 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 grandchildren automatically be Canadian citizens just through lineage. And I think the Canadian government was right to say, no, there's gotta be a limit. One generation. The Ontario Superior Court though says that's unconstitutional. So I imagine this is going to go to a much higher court uh, to finally make a determination because we could you could end up in a situation where there are, you know, 30, 40 million Canadians living in Canada and 50 million Canadians living outside Canada.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward because you know, for example, some countries have a mechanism by which you can reapply for citizenship that you didn't originally have. Ireland is a country like that. A friend of mine whose mm-hmm. grandparents came from Ireland has applied for his Irish citizenship and will probably get it.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, my family comes from Ireland as well, and I think it uh, goes to the it certainly goes to children maybe grandchildren and then stops because i knew i was not eligible for an irish passport i was interested in finding out if i could get one because i wanted to stand in the much faster eu line going <laughs> yeah. into the airports but uh, but no they have a limit uh, canada also has a limit but apparently uh, our limit according to an ontario court is unconstitutional.
0: What do you make of a video by a Hamas official in which he says moving toward a ceasefire with Israel is a good idea, and then he offers praise for Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, and now, of course, people are pointing at this and saying, see, the bad guy likes Canada. Canada must be wrong. Not necessarily. Bad people can say nice things about you. doesn't mean you're in bad company.
1: No, but the problem with this one, John, is he's absolutely right. Uh, He says uh, thanks to Canada, Australia, and the UK uh, for helping Hamas in the war against Israel and sort of the ultimate destruction of Israel. And, you know, we may not like being lumped into that. We may point to this as propaganda, and it is, but it's true Uh, we did help him. And so he's right to be thankful for us, and we are ashamed, I hope, uh, to be thanked by him.
0: Uh, Interesting phenomenon, there's a feature today about something called ghost jobs, and these are listings for jobs, and people apply for them, and they never hear anything. And the reasons for this are very, very complex. I think my favorite is, sometimes a job listing is posted by a company in order to frighten their existing employees into thinking they might be fired.
1: Yeah, normally though, normally when an employer is looking to replace somebody who's already working there, they'll they'll put it up as a an, not an anonymous but a a nameless job. Uh, but I think it just goes to underline, John, that once you you know aside well not even aside from first jobs, the best way to get a job is through networking. By the time a job is posted on a board, there are probably already candidates in mind for that job. So all of my best jobs have come from talking to people in my network and having you know them help me find opportunities that are not on the job boards. So if you're looking for a really good job, the job board is probably the last place you should look.
0: Well, and you and I both have uh, uncharacteristic careers. I've only ever applied for one job,
1: and that was 35 years ago. <laughs> I've applied for many, and I've actually gotten some, you know, through job postings. But it's it's they're rare as hen's teeth. You really get your the best jobs I've ever had. I got through networking, and I can't stress enough. Uh, and this is something that I don't practice as much as I preach. Uh, I just I'm a terrible networker, but uh, but it is the way to go. If you want a good job, you got to get out there and hustle and meet people and chat to people, and then they will talk and they will talk, and eventually good things happen.
0: Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Take care, John. Mark Tuey on The Morning Brief.